the year. This is the year of getting it together and doing what you do best. Hustling, taking care of business, and taking care of your community. Join us for JMT Media's podcast, where we interview everyone from the community to small businesses to elected officials who are changing policy that matters for our community. Hi, everyone. Happy, happy September. So many great things are happening. Welcome to the JMT Media Podcast. I am your host, Jacqueline Zaccarante. And there's a lot of things that that have happened. Um, As many of you know, we are now in season three of our podcast, where we are really focusing on intentionality and purpose and talking to several women entrepreneurs across the United States. And I had the distinct pleasure of sitting on a panel with this amazing, vibrant spirit, um, this amazing young lady, well, young woman, young lady, we'll ask her how she prefers to to, uh, be presented, but Ms. Kati uh, Fernandez. So I'm just going to give you a little bit about her bio because one of the things that I try to remind people when they say, oh, my bio's too long or too short, I'm like, you earned every word in your bio. So I want to do her justice. Um, She is the director of original content, currently oversees the content development and integration group, which works internally and cross-departmentally to solidify the content strategy, launch, performance, and communication for all ESPN, original ESPN Plus studio, ESPN Films, 30 for 30, and special project series and films. Fernandez is also the co-chair of ESPN's Multicultural Women's Network, which is an employee-led affinity group focused on connecting, developing, and elevating women of color. She was recently named the Hispanic Executive Women's Next Gen Collective's 30 Under 30 and Sports Business Journalist Voice Under 30. SBJ's Voices Under 30 recognizes rising leaders in the sports business for their ability to stretch beyond the traditional roles within their organizations, breaking boundaries, and taking on additional responsibility. Outside of her work, Ms. Fernandez runs a nonprofit in the Dominican Republic with her family called Lazos al Futuro, which translates to Tides to the Future. Last year, her organization enrolled 30 incoming high school youth members in the Dominican Republic and is committed to mentoring and sponsoring their growth and education for the next four years. Their goal is simple, improve the graduation rates across high school and college in order to build the leaders of tomorrow. Her organization currently has two running offices in Santiago and Luperan, Puerto Plata in the Dominican Republic and volunteer staff in the United States and DR. In addition to Lazos Al Futuro and her commitment to ESPN, Fernandez is also serving a three-year term on the board of directors for the Alumni Association at the College of the Holy Cross. Miss Kathy, are you there? I'm here. Thank you so much, Jacqueline, for having me on. It's been such an honor. You're like a radiating light in my life oh. since we met. Can't believe it's been like more than a month now. Um, I know. I know. We got to give a special shout out to the Staten Island Ferry Hawks for hosting a women in business event. 
Um, and, you know, I think a lot of times when you sit on a panel with other women business owners or other women that are in this industry, you're just like, wow, that's electrifying. That's the spirit, the magnetism. And so I had to connect with you. Um, and I know you're always on the go. So thank you so much for taking the time to like sit with us, chat with us, because one of the things that I find really incredible about your work is you are not just, and and I say this with all due respect, not just a woman in the sports industry, but a woman in the sports industry, not just a, a Latina woman, but a woman in the sports industry. It's very, very rare. So can you talk to us a little bit about how you even got to this incredible responsibility and leadership role that you are like slaying it, ma'am? Well, I would say, you know, it really takes a village, right? Like people say like it takes a village to raise kids, but then what are you doing with those children once they're out forth as like leaders in this world in society shaping the world in which we live in? And so when I went to the College of the Holy Cross, I signed up to be um, a mentee and I got paired up with this mentor and his name was Brian Lockhart, who's now currently my boss. And we met, I was on track to be music pre-med there. I graduated as a music wow. pre-med double major and throughout- oh you know, this six month program, we were supposed to meet four times. I actually signed up to do the program. I, I do it every year now as well. And from there, we ended up just really hitting it off and talking for two years consecutively. And throughout that, he was like, you are a good communicator. You should figure out if you have interest in this and just opened up my apparatus in this world that could be and really was the first person that I saw person of color, not only like succeeding and thriving in sports, but showed me that there is careers in the media and entertainment industry. I love it. I think, um, you know, when when we briefly met at the Fairy Hawks panel, one of the things that stuck out to me was you were talking about a story working in another media industry realm. Um, I don't know if you would want to share, but I think it's important, um, even without fully identifying the organization, but I think it's important for people to hear um, kind of where your moral compass lies and what you will do and what you won't do and all that good stuff. Wait, now I'm like trying to remember. What I know. You had mentioned, um, I believe it was Disney or Hulu that you had applied for the job and they wanted to bring you on as like a freelancer. And you were like, no, I'm not doing that. And then you came back as like a content director and it just kind of, um, by you making that decision, I'm, girl, I was listening to you when you were speaking at the Fairy Hawks because, and, and we can of course cut all this out, but I think it speaks to your moral compass because a lot of times people tend to forget that not every option that's presented to you is an actual option. You don't have to accept whatever comes your way. So I guess maybe the best or a better way to rephrase it um, would be, tell us about some of the challenges that you have had in being a leader in this role and spearheading and being a pioneer in the industry, like what you have done, what you haven't done, what you will do, what you won't do. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a great question. I would say that, you know, when I first came into this industry, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew that I loved it. Someone had told me I was a great communicator. Yeah. I was like, great. What do communicators do? And there's really so many opportunities and even forms and roles that are forming right now with just the landscape of media changing so drastically right now. And so 
I went to the NFL Network. I was an AP there, and I started as a PA, very traditional production assistant roles for anyone who, who doesn't know what that is. Um, and then I, I became an associate producer. And even though I loved it, I was like, okay, there has to be ways to bridge my strategic, like sort of like data and nerdiness from like physics and orgs and like math into my current day to day. And there is, right? And so at that time, I had just got my master's degree and an opportunity came my way to actually come into my current employer, which like I would have loved like to join that team. You know, when you're at the NFL Network, you dream about being at ESPN. And at the time, the opportunity was for another associate producer position. And I was like, this is awesome. I could stay in LA. I could do this, blah, blah, blah. And I actually did not get the role. And they offered me a production assistant to position, which was like a step above a production assistant, but wasn't really an associate producer. And in that moment, it's like the first time I really had that opportunity to be like, man, do I want to take a step back in my career to do this? Or do I want to bet on myself and figure out what what else is out there? And so I kind of just like think them. I was like really honored for the opportunity. But I was like, you know what, I'm going to keep exploring what's out there and utilize those communication skills that have been identified. And so I ended up doing some freelance work on my own, working at an agency, developing that skill set that I think every producer should have outside of content, which is how does the content live within an ecosystem outside of the home in which it resides in, right? Before you discover the Handmaid's Tale, you see an ad, you see a social post, you see a press media kit around it. And so it helped me develop those chops. And three months later, I got a producer job at Hulu, like just on LinkedIn, talking about the work I was doing. I knew nobody at Hulu at the time. And that was the first real moment that, and I'm a spiritual woman, right? Like that was the first moment where I started to really praise God for my no's with the same intensity as I was praising him for my yeses. And the reason why is because if I had jumped at the opportunity, as excited as I was to be part of this organization, I love this organization that I'm a part of now, I would have never really been able to be where I am right now at the timeline that I'm in working on the team that I am. Right. And so it all works out at the end. I I love, you know, um, and as you're saying that I'm looking up. So in my wall, in my office, I have um, this print that says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 31, six. And so when we work with clients and they come in my office, the first thing they see, I mean, it's huge. Like, this is like, I don't know, four feet by five feet in front of my, because it's a daily reminder of like, things can be thrown your way or try to bring you off course, but do not be afraid. And so, you know, I always tell folks, it's it, whether you're spiritual or you just meditate yoga, it's always good to have a due north of what you will and won't do and what you will and won't praise to. So I, I love that. I love that you you mentioned that. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, kind of your role at ESPN? Because you have, a, I mean, as you, you know, as we were reading your bio, ESPN Plus original, ESPN Studio, ESPN Films, like what? That's a lot. So can you talk to us a little bit about what's your life on a day-to-day basis? It's a great question. Well, I want to say that it's like, very collaborative is I probably would say it's the word that I would use. So my team works really uh, closely with other leads across my boss, Brian. And so he oversees all those brands. He oversees the content creation of ESPN plus original content, 30 for 30s, ESPN films, as well as special projects, which are like 
longer timelines, right? So our 50-50, um, the 50th anniversary of Title IX is a project that would fall under our special projects unit. And so my team works really closely with them and we're sort of like a centralized hub of information and collaboration and strategy for them. So as projects come into the pipeline, really understanding how are we maximizing the best of like our colleagues and maximizing this IP across every single channel outside of just ESPN Plus. So we work really closely with our editorial teams, our social teams, our marketing organizations, our innovation hubs, the Walt Disney Company at large, right? To figure out, you know, if we have an awesome concept like 50-50 and we're working on 37 words, which was a project we did with Don Porter, how do we make sure that our ABC stations are also talking to people about what Title IX is, right? Like they're a news organization that lives within the Disney ecosystem. How do we maximize and work together for the betterment of, you know, awareness and knowledge of this milestone in our society right and so that's really what our team does we're almost i like to call it like we're like shepherds of the gospel but as it relates to content and uh building excitement around it in collaboration that's amazing i find it so fascinating the work that you do but also the the understanding of the community of where not just like okay here's an ad it's going to be placed but also how is it going to be presented? Where is it going to be presented? Um, what communities is it going to be presented to and how that all translates? So um, kudos to you. Thank but you. as we talk about community, one of the other things that I find absolutely fascinating because um, I myself last year launched the New York City Digital Media Center where we train students on video editing and podcasting. Um, you have a nonprofit and can you please talk... A, not even a little. I want you to talk a lot about the nonprofit because I think it's so incredibly important, the work that you're doing. Um, so if you could just talk to our audience a little bit about or a lot about your nonprofit. Absolutely. So Lazos al Futuro, which translates to Ties to the Future, was really like a really small concept that my sister and I developed when we were both students at the College of the Holy Cross. So we had gone on a mission trip. We went to Jamaica. And when we were in Jamaica, we were like, oh, my goodness, like the, the poverty that we saw and the, you know, like we visited uh, some elderly homes. We visited some schools. We were, you know, doing cleanups. We were volunteering at hospitals there. And there were about 30 of us in this group. And my sister and I were two members of the, the group. And we go there and, you know, we were both born in the Dominican Republic. We came here at age eight and nine, 2001. And that's still really ingrained in our memories. And so like that trip really reminded us like of the own disparities in our home country, right? Of the DR. Um, and so we were like, why don't we partner with, you know, our local town and figure out if we can get a group of like 25 leaders to do just like a retreat. We probably just need like a thousand dollars, $1,500 to feed like 30 people, home them for the weekend sign some like legal documents that raises from any liability, right? Like bring some leaders from the town to also be there and support us and really distill around like, what do they need to survive and thrive and not just survive, but really get to that point of thriving. Yeah. What is it that we can do to embed hope, you know, yeah. in, in their futures and the ability to like contribute into the cultures and the societies in which they're part of. And so we left and we saw that like we were blessed by those kids, right? Like those leaders, they blessed us tremendously. And so in 2014, 2015, when we first did it, 
they went on to do incredible things. They like with our guidance, we got a doctor on board and they would go around different schools and do chats around like health and safety, you know, like a lot of pregnancies are still a problem in the Dominican Republic and we wanted to help lower those rates. So they would go around um, all their barrios is what we call them, you know, like boroughs around our town and talk to schools about like how to be safe, how to like, you know, we would do women's right marches across the town and it really like empowered them to lead from where they were as well. And so from there, we've really grown and developed. And in 2020, when the pandemic hit, we registered as a 501c3 and we got proper like staffing and infrastructure in place. We enrolled, we saw that the greatest need was in high school. You know, a lot of our kids do in public schools in the Dominican Republic, you have to wear uniforms. Families don't often have that. And so we now have 37 youth leaders. We have two locations. We provide them individual one-on-one counseling. All of them have intake forms. We um, get them all school supplies for the year to make sure that that's not a barrier of entry. Within those intake forms now, we're looking at specialized needs. You know, some of our families that are with the kids, they live in houses that don't have a refrigerator, right? They live in houses that don't have stoves. And so we're working individually to do that while also just doing the basic things that any human needs to be able to like go to school and focus on that, which is, do I have the actual supplies and materials? You know, food somewhere in a fridge, right? Do I have a safe space that I can come to if something's going on in my household or in my school that I could talk to? So that's where our counseling comes into. And then we do monthly workshops with them around financial literacy. We do workshops on, you know, how to, you know, honor yourself and who you are and like rise up your self-esteem and picture and manifest, you know, like the power of manifestation is real. The power of discernment is real as well. So we teach them hard and soft skills. And now we, we just did all of their dental cleaning as well. Since we noticed that a lot of them came in with deep pain and that's because healthcare is not universal in the Dominican Republic. Correct. And plans are extremely expensive. And so that is one other barrier of entry. Like you should not go to school with your mouth. Like hurting or you not even having a proper cleaning. And so we're working through that and making sure that, you know, our leaders can lead and we can remove as many barriers as possible to them and not be an exception. I think that is incredible, you know, and to also tie it in with the digital media center, like, you know, when we started the program, we had this idea of like, oh, it's video editing, podcasting. And then I was like, wait, hold on, let's take a few steps back. We need to provide mental health resources. We need to provide XYZ MTA cards, like all of these different things that are kind of basic necessities. Um, So I think you're doing an amazing job, you and your sister. And I think that's fascinating that y'all have multiple locations and you're servicing and assisting so many students because I'm sure as they grow older and whether they continue on with college or move on to become an entrepreneur, whatever the case may be, you're really planting these seeds of encouragement and enlightenment um, within them that they can take to, you know, many, many years down the line. So kudos to you, my dear. I think that's incredible. I mean, I got to meet some of your leaders and like, if I had that in high school, I always think about like, man, like I didn't even have that resource in high school. Yeah. I had no idea. Like I wouldn't even know where to find it. Like I went to a school that was lower income. It was a private school, but it was subsidized. And so like, I commend you as a leader, Jacqueline, for doing that work in your community, for also understanding the barriers that are keeping these kids from doing that. Yeah. Um, because Yeah. Hey, to both of us, you know, I tried, um, so I too, the interesting part was, 
um, many folks may or may not know, but I was a big science buff. So I went to college for speech pathology because my brother had a speech impediment. So as the youngest of three, and my mom was a single mom at the time, I was like, I could save the world. I want to be a speech pathologist. And my sophomore year of college, a professor said, you know, you really should go into advertising. I think you would really like it. Communications is great. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want to work 80 hours a week. And lo and behold, well, here we are with JMT Media. But I didn't know that there were any of these resources available. And so when I started the nonprofit, a lot of people are like, oh, you're you're just going to close your business and go to the nonprofit world. I'm like, absolutely not. The nonprofit world and the digital media center world is me providing the students with tools and resources because maybe they want to work at a JMT Media or ESPN 10 years from now, five years from now, but they need the skill set. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to open their eyeballs to that. So, you know, it's worked out, but like you said, it takes a village. Like, I love that you- Full-time job. It's like a full-time job, yeah. And, and I love that you immediately leaned in on youth leaders and community organizers because it's not, it may have been, yes, my my mustard seed of faith and a vision, but it's really the community that's supporting these efforts. And so it's a lot of work, but it's all worth it. You know what I mean? I mean, you well, do know what I mean. <laughs> I do. And you know, something that you said is like, people can plant words of encouragement in people, right? But what you have to plan is action in people. And yes. so we're at a point in the world where like, we cannot wait and look around our neighbor and be like, are you gonna tackle that? Are you gonna tackle? We as a collective have to tackle the division in our country. We as a society have to tackle the division in you know economic spectrums. We have to do that within the things that we're passionate about and recognize it because ultimately everybody can lead, Yeah. right? Even like the executive assistants on our organization have a leadership role. It's a matter of how you're utilizing that to the best of its capability to impact change. I I love that. Everyone has the opportunity to lead. Everyone. So you don't just wait, right? It's like becoming a mom. Like they literally, and I I joke about this all the time because my sister is a is a mom of almost two under two. Like they hand you a baby at the hospital and they do not check your qualifications. Okay. <laughs> They're just setting you free with that child and praying for the best. And so like, we need to understand that when you become a manager or an executive or a business leader or talents or in front of the camera or whatever your ultimate goal is, like you don't just get handed a badge of honor. You get handed more resources potentially, but if you don't practice those skills beforehand, how do you develop oh, yeah. the tops to actually do that? Exactly. Exactly. I, um, I feel like I could talk to you for days and hours. Like you're just, just a beautiful breath of fresh air. And I commend you for all the work that you've been doing, not just in your personal nonprofits life in walking the walk and talking the talk, but also in your professional endeavors, working at ESPN and making sure that cross-culturally and through communities that the brand is being just and the content is being disseminated to the community and vice versa. And so I think you're just amazing, Kathy. And like, if I had, you know, a shot of whiskey, I would hand it to you. Um, But um, I want to thank you. I know, I know. I want to thank you so much for joining us on our podcast season three, if you can believe it. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe it's been this long. Um, 
And so for those of you that are tuning in, make sure that you continue to follow us on JMT Media's podcast, where we provide all information on resources, community engagement, and just some really dynamic and amazing women. Thank you so much and have a great day.